What's going on, everybody? It's Kyle Bennett from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Outside the Box has become such a huge success, we're giving it its own podcast feed. You guys have come out in droves and made this thing such a huge project for us. It's unbelievable. So, Outside the Box is moving to its own individual podcast feed starting in October. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at OTBLaxPod to know when that pod feed goes live so you can subscribe there. You don't miss a single beat of what Herm and I are bringing. You don't miss any guests. And uh, you can always drop those five-star ratings and reviews to uh, pump the pod feed up and uh, make it an even bigger success as we head into year two of lacrosse coverage right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. So yes, the month of October, outside the box, its own podcast feed. Get hype. We'll see you guys soon. Let's get into the episode. Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 171 kyle bennett matt castorino live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick automall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland welcome back matt how you doing man Pretty good, living the dream as always. So just got yeah. done a five k. Yeah, did five k this morning. Um, had to you know, had to, had to rush back. See, that's shower. dedication. If I ran a five k this morning, I'd just be dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, got a lot to get into this afternoon. Obviously, recapping the Eagles doing the thing and taking down the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. Uh, we can finally bury and put the 2019 Phillies in a coffin. Uh, Talk about those scumbag I, Nationals fans. I attended that funeral <laughs> late August. <laughs> uh, everybody's getting on the Sixers bandwagon, and uh, apparently this morning Gritty was flying a plane. So uh, let's get into the Eagles, though. They take down the Packers, 34-27. to I was not expecting it all week. No, I it thought was. it was going to be a loss when we did our, our wins and losses. Uh, I said this would have been our first loss, but... Somehow, some way, they come away, do the thing, and they take down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, I, I think this was, you know, in sports, a lot you talk about schedule losses. This is one of those where it's like mm-hmm. short week, you know, you just played on Sunday, play on Thursday. Now you got to go to Green Bay, which not a, a easy place to play, especially with the start to the season that they've had. Um, you know, so you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult matchup for you, but turned into a bit of a shootout, which. Mm-hmm. These Thursday night games haven't been pretty much all years. So they've been kind of crappy matchups, if we're being honest. But you know, typically what we see from Thursday night games is like a little bit, a little bit slower, and you know, not everyone clicking, and definitely some fatigue. I don't think you can really. I think it was actually one of the most like chirpy, contested games of the year. You had some, let's just be honest, some pretty dirty plays mm-hmm. going on, um, some dirty hits, and 
a lot of a lot of chatter but it was it was a great game i i saw like the first half and i fell asleep because i'm i'm a child but <laughs> granted they were dirty plays but not dirty players i saw a yeah. lot of i saw a lot of yeah like barnett around. is not a dirty player no. that was a that was a dirty hit though that was a bad yeah, hit definitely that, that that's a hit that if it happens to the eagle you're you don't want to see that guy's name and ever you saw again. him you know, like you know go over to jamal williams when he was getting carted yeah off the but field. like there's no need to absolutely it's it was a that's the type of hit that you should never have in football. And it's it's honestly pretty ridiculous that he's not suspended at all for that hit. <laughs> like, let's just be real here. Like, no bias. Like, that is a tremendously stupid decision by him to make that hit mm-hmm. and by the NFL to not punish that. I I'm think sorry. the only reason he got away with not getting suspended, because I went back and watched it, is he didn't lead with his head. Which is like... <laughs> that. That is, like, my only... Yeah thought process or it's just that the nfl is wildly inconsistent that too that's, I think that's... um but i think the only reason he kind of got away with not getting suspended or ejected is that it was with his shoulder mm-hmm. and not his head uh um, but i mean he ends up making a big play late in the game as well yep. with that forced fumble as well so reverse super bowl 52 play right there yeah and then yeah graham recovers right yeah um brandon graham had a hell of a game by yes. the way like and that's that's what you need. Pretty needed. much all season, you've, you've said that he's he's been the one, I think, out of the whole defensive front that I thought has played probably the best. Mm-hmm. And I, he only, he dropped an interception, too, didn't he? Or was that Nigel Bradham? Not did. Bradham did, yeah. Um, but then he redeemed himself. Yes. Like Nelson Aguilar. With, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't all in to rub everyone's face and how we were talking about Aguilar isn't that bad <laughs> last week. I was like, are we. What are we doing here? Because he sucks. And then he gets roasted on uh, <laughs> then he got, national He news. got roasted on by the greatest Samaritan of the year, Philadelphia, who was saving actual human babies from fires. And then he doubled down on it, too. When, they, the, when John Clark interviewed him, he said, you know, I caught about two people flying out of that building and ran them in for touchdowns. <laughs> well. Uh, but, you know, I said all week, if the Eagles were going to win this, and we talked about it on Eagles Enemies 2 this week with Ross Uglum, uh, you had to run the ball against the Packers to some sort of effectiveness, and they did that. 15 carries for Jordan Howard, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Miles Sanders, 11 carries for 72 yards. That was the best the run game has looked all season long, and that's the way you beat the Packers because they have an up-and-coming secondary, which we saw kind of shut down the entire passing game. Your leading receiver was Zach Ertz with 65 yards, and Carson Wentz only had to throw for 160 yards, and you still win the game. Yeah, I think... That's the um, that's the good thing about this game, though, is uh, you know I think everyone was very worried and rightly so about all the injuries to the uh, like the wide receiver personnel mm-hmm. and you know thankfully we do have someone like Zachary. Even Dallas Goddard is someone yeah. that you could you could definitely find yourself depending on. Don't you don't want him as like your third option though, which is kind of unfortunately what he is. Not that he's bad. I'm not, I'm not making, mm-hmm. but you know he is not the most talented third option you could have. Um, so yeah, a lot of worry about you know everyone you know, coming back from injury and, you know, whether if they were coming back that week, how, how are they going to play or just guys that weren't suiting up at all? But Jordan Howard, who I think for the most part this season, we've been kind of like scratching our heads, like what exactly are we doing with Jordan Howard? Yeah. <laughs> um, had a great game. Like you said, he found the, he scored three times. He caught a yeah, pass as well. Passing touchdown. And he, he, I thought was really electric. I thought Miles Sanders looked fantastic mm-hmm. again. He had a great, uh, return as well set us up like what like the 40 yard line um so he was he was really really good you know i think the sign of a good team you know not just consistency but is 
if you can have guys that week to week can have performances like Jordan Howard did, for example, mm-hmm. that is uh, that's something that we talk about with like the Patriots, right? Where it's like you don't know if it's going to be Rex Burkhead, you don't know if it's going to be Sony Michelle, you don't know if it's going to be James White, you don't know if it's going to be Flash Gordon, you don't know if it's going to be Elliman. Like, th- there's there's seven guys on that team that could you could you could look me right now and say, hey, someone on the Patriots is going to go for like ninety yards, two touchdowns, and like. 60 rushing yards i'd be like yeah yeah someone yeah i don't know who but yeah sure i totally believe you know and that's that is um that's really dangerous to have and that's what we were looking forward to coming in this season unfortunately got hit with the injury bug mm-hmm. a bit but i mean i i would like to say everyone was very down on this team and everyone's everyone's happy which is, is deserved but i didn't like what i saw people saying like oh people were down on this team saying we're gonna be one and three let's be honest we, I think every single person, I don't care if you're very optimistic, woke up Thursday morning and were like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone went into this game thinking, decent chance we lose. Yeah. Decent chance we're one and three. And that could, that could be you know, the, the division the right there, honestly, because as much as we don't like to say, the Cowboys are 3-0 mm-hmm. and are probably going to go 4-0 this week. Like Go Saints. Yeah, but <laughs> I, yeah, imagine saying that. I know. Jeez. <laughs> um, but that's that's the position we find it. But now, you know, this was a a crucial crucial game. Mm-hmm. This was this was the game that if you drop this, I don't know. How even even with a very this is a resilient team as shown by the fact that they don't like to score in the first half. They mm-hmm. just save it all for the end. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how they would have come back from one. You know, and especially when you play the Cowboys in two weeks. You know that that would have made that game that much more. It still is. It's still. Mm-hmm. That at that point is going to be the biggest game of the season because I think if you lose that you're you're in trouble in the division. Now you're talking wild card. That's that's tricky. But I think it was a great performance. I think it was a great Carson game. It wasn't like I don't think it was his best game like overall. Right? I think he's had. But I, with that Denver game, he absolutely slayed yeah. uh, in the Super Bowl season. That I think that's that's one of his better performances. That was one of his dominant performances. I think this was this like- was a this was like a. This was like this was a great two pitchers, like not necessarily throwing like no hitters, but like wow, like you know, like this is like this you, was that dominant performance where he didn't have to put up the stats, but he managed the game and controlled kind of the pace of the game, and he didn't look flustered one bit. Where yeah. the first three games, you could say, you know, he was kind of like overcompensating for one thing or another, whether it was the injuries that occurred in the Falcons game last week, not having enough guys on the field. And I think Doug Peterson also called a very good game. There were some obvious, you know, questionable things with the challenges, but the refs were horrible all night long on both sides. Just copy um, and paste that for <laughs> the entire week in and week out. But I was thoroughly impressed with Carson. Like the stats, sure, they don't look great. But he didn't need to do too much, and it was good to see that like he didn't force things from his end, and you know just let the flow of the game go the way it was going. Yeah, I think um, yeah, it was it was a good performance in the sense that given the stakes of the game, this even this early in the season, and you know you're on the road, short week against Aaron Rodgers, who's had a pretty good start to the season, and you know we were talking about as well with Green Bay's defense. This is this was like a top five defense coming into mm-hmm. the game, you know, like and I I think it still might be because. Again, you know, you talk about the, the passing was really not there for us at all. And part of that was injuries, of course. But, you know, this is also a team that was able to really neutralize Adam Thielen 
I think the Vikings are neutralizing Stefan Diggs on their own. Yep. Well, there's, um, now there's rumors that, you know, maybe the Vikings should trade him. I hope so, because I have him on two <laughs> fantasy teams. In the little, you know what's annoying about that, too? Just tangent is um, in each of those drafts, I had the choice between Thielen and Diggs. Oof. Each of them. And I was like, ah, I feel like Diggs is like, he's like the big play guy. He's big, like, that's, he's so explained. No, just terrible decision. Terrible decision. But... Yeah, you know this is this is a team that's played well so far. I mean, they yeah. You know, I know it doesn't take much to make Mitchell Trubisky look terrible, mm-hmm. but they made him look like a like he should be Horrible. playing in Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> I you know, and, and we what we know about the Bears now is that they do have good wide. Like Allen Robinson is a legitimate mm-hmm. player this season. You know, it's not it's not as if they're they're scrubs necessarily. So yeah, this is a, a good defense that we just went and torched at home on a short week. That's yeah. that's the good news, and the scoring hasn't really at even their been home an issue field. at their home field. Um, the scoring hasn't really even been the issue this year. I think another thing that did pop up, though, is just defensively, this team not only giving up big plays, which, I mean, you're playing Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. That's always going to be, that's one of the hardest matchups in the league you're ever going to get. doesn't matter who you are. But I think even to the penalties, and there was some penalties late in the game, too, that, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be... We could be looking and talking back much differently about if if we don't get that interception on a goal line stand. Essentially, like there was there was some really just like the decision making by the players has been a little has left a lot to be desired uh, so far this season. The penalties have been pretty pretty crucial yeah. for us. Like I I don't know where that's even come from because this is a team that's generally been pretty well disciplined. So this season, you know, like in this game we had. Nine penalties for 93 yards. That's, um, you know, again, like, we keep playing this game where we, you know, we let teams score, you know, 20 points in the first half and have to come back. And, you know, we also give them, like, 100 yards bonus on penalties. Like, it's a really dangerous game to be playing. And I think I think it's fair to say we rode our luck a little bit in Green Bay. But I'll also say that I think with the calls and with the luck we've we've earned that so far this season because of the injuries and because I think been a little unlucky in some of the other games some players that we all know <laughs> not even just Aguilar dropping catches um, Matt Collins drop passes Arcega Whiteside also Dallas dropped Goddard a, like, dropped the touchdown in the end zone so against Detroit <laughs> I know Aguilar gets the most heat and he does you know I wouldn't say he deserves it right but like you know understandably mm-hmm. so because he has like the the history and everything but like Everyone called uh, Alshon Jeffrey. By the way, had a rough night. He, th- he had three targets, nine catches. Yeah, not. I mean, he's coming back from injury, so you know you give him a little, and little one bit of a leash them, there. One of them was on Carson that that yeah. late third and third and you know whatever it was to convert. That was literally would have been right in his hands. He had nobody covering him, and Carson just threw it into the ground. But um, yeah, I mean, you could tell the calf was still kind still, of bugging him. Still, yeah, but he fought through it, and you know. Watching this game too, it showed you how important Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard are to this team in terms of just being out on the field. Yeah, absolutely. I this was this was a um, this is a game I think we could look back on, you know, in the winter and say like that was a that was a turning point. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was that was the game. And what I was most worried about though was this was going to be another one of those games that we talked about last year in the winter, where it was like. It's going to be one of the Titans games, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you look back and be like, how did we lose that? I, I'm already worried that we're going to talk about, you know, that Lions game in, in the same way. Um, so I don't know, you know, the two and two now with the Jets coming up. Yeah. 
you'd expect that to be you with know, ten uh, days of rest. Ten days us. of rest, which is the best news <laughs> for a team that is just like plagued with uh, with injuries right now. Um, so hopefully, you know, everyone just don't tackle Sam Darnold near his face. Yeah, well, I, he's he's definitely not back yet, right? Like he's he is still... expected to come back. Oh, really? Five. Yeah, because oh, they have wow. a bye week this week, so he'll have the extra rest. And there's expectation that he'll play. I don't. You don't want to mess five. around with something like that, though. I you're know. In large spleen, I don't know, man. I've had mono. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, this game, stats wise and just like vibe wise, reminded me of. 2017 Chargers when LeGarrette Blunt just kind of mm-hmm. took over and it reminded me of what Jordan Howard did and then just like end of game like okay like this could be a turning point reminded me of 2017 Panthers on Thursday night when everybody thought you know oh we're going into Carolina like there's no way we win this game like on a short week and you know they they did that and now Doug Peterson is 5-0 and on Thursday night football put him in prime time baby make it happen what's what's his Sunday night record and he lost the Cowboys game last year, right? Yeah. But can't even think of that many other Sunday night games that he's played in, really. But yeah, I mean that's. I mean Doug Peterson over his overall record is probably pretty good. I mean, <laughs> like he's uh he's definitely has to be moving his way up as one of the. He's at least top ten coach in the league, probably top five coach in the league right now. I think you have to say. And now there's more and more people starting to put some respect on yeah. his name where Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football was talking about, you know, we always talk about the Sean McVay's and Cliff Kingsbury's and, like, that next young coach. He was like, is it possible for a Super Bowl winning coach to still be underrated? Yeah, because I mean, Doug Peterson, I think, is one of the most underrated coaches in sports. And and a, a, an example of that as well is I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast mm-hmm. a lot, and he was talking about – um you know they talk about the they talk about every team really on like their they they do it's called guess the lines like every every Monday morning they talk about the Eagles and Bill talking about the Packers game is like you know his his cousin Sal was like yeah I don't know like what to think of the Eagles and he's like what do you think of Doug Peterson he's like any man who can look uh, uh, Bilicek in the eyes and beat him in a Super Bowl <laughs> has my respect forever so Doug Peterson's a good coach <laughs> to me it's true like yeah it's not that's an easy thing to have done and um, you know you look at all the all the issues from last year and, and kind of what he had to deal with personnel wise. And, you know, we were still, still were one, one game away from a NFC championship game. So yeah, he's a fantastic coach and this is his, uh, great performance from him. Great performance from the team. I think it was the medicine that everyone needed. It was like everyone, everyone's calmed down a bit, like two and two you can work with, you can, you can live with this, beat the jets, you know, you, you take the Cowboys, hopefully you win that game, and you're right back in it at that point because mm-hmm. you know, feasibly you could have the same record as the Cowboys, uh, you know, after that week. So that's that's where this game is at now, and, you know, hopefully everyone gets healthy over this bye week. That would be uh, that would be nice for us. I'm trying to figure out. It looks like Doug has not won on Sunday Night Football except in the playoffs. Well, I mean, when it counts, baby. Do we have any Sunday Night games? Uh, yeah, the Cowboys game. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> That was the blackout game, wasn't it, last year too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was a rough uh, one. Because 2016 was the overtime loss to the Cowboys right before Halloween mm-hmm. um, in Dallas. 2017, they lost, or I'm sorry, I stand corrected. Uh, they won in 2017 on Sunday night when they blew out the Cowboys 37-9. Oh, so uh, it's like an every other year thing. Okay. But then they went on to lose that other Sunday night game against Seattle. That was I'm, one of the three. We're talking losses. just Sunday night against the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, so they they are one and two against the Cowboys on Sunday night under Doug Peterson. Okay, well, 
We're talking, we're talking two and two. How much money are we putting on it? But Everything. When it counts, Doug won the Gets Super Bowl on Sunday Night Football. Something John McVay there. can't say. And then the double doink game. Cliff Kingsbury will probably never, uh, never win a Super Bowl. I don't think Matt LaFleur will ever. I don't even know if Kyler Murray's going to live through this season. He's <laughs> getting absolutely pummeled. Yes, uh, for everybody watching on the Facebook and listening back, there is a cricket yeah. in Underground Studios right now. It's our third co-host. Um, you read that book, the cricket, the City Cricket? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those summer reading books. Yep. All I remember is in like a little matchbox. <laughs> lived as um, a child. But you know, they finally beat Aaron Rodgers, and one of the crazy stats I saw that like you'd never think of until it happens. Aaron Rodgers going into that game with less than two minutes, I believe, at home, uh, was fifty eight zero and one. Now he has one loss. Hey Amen. It's nice. It's nice to be the one that that uh, that those breaks those kind of records. You know, it's good. That's a good feeling. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarter. You know, like he's making that drive late game, and I think, you know, we're all conveying to everyone around us. I'm sure that oh, we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stop this deep inside though. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh boy, we have all seen this movie. <laughs> we we all know how this ends, and uh, usually usually that's a game, and it it was very close to being a game winning drive right there. Um, yep. So. I don't know. Like, I think if Devontae Adams is out there, we're yeah, probably going to you know, you do, you do get a little lucky that Devontae picks up an injury late in the game. But you know what, man? It's, you take it how it comes. Mm-hmm. And we've, I think we've been a little unlucky this season. They always say to, like, fans of teams when, like, something doesn't go, it's, oh, it all evens out over the course of the year. Well, you know what? Here we go. That, yep. was, that was our... The early evening out when yeah. we didn't have Deshaun and Alshon in Atlanta. But, yes, uh, according to NFL Network, Aaron Rodgers was 58 0-1 with a 10-point lead in any home game in his career until Thursday night. So that's just a crazy stat to think of, too. Like, him being that dominant at home with the 10-point lead, and, like, that's a credit to the Packers' defense, too, not giving up points late in games. Um, it's one of the toughest places to go. Absolutely. You know, especially, you know, once you start getting in the colder months. Like, I, I, I don't know how – I know they're, like – different levels of athlete mm-hmm. than like i'll ever be of course you like and i know that like they have trainers and like people like equipment people to like keep them warm but like ah, dude i've played in like cold weather before and mm-hmm. i like if the, the ball like I, like when i would play soccer like the ball would hit you in the leg and oh just like God. sting so like you i don't know how they do it i just i genuinely it amazes me that that they can play in that cold weather like that that is just unbelievable we got, we got lucky with the schedule too being able to go to lambo early and yeah. miami late yeah yeah, get that. Yeah, especially Miami late. Get that free win late in the season. <laughs> Woo! Um, but the Eagles get ten days off, kind of get to rest up. Hopefully, Deshaun Jackson is back, uh, and they'll they'll host the Jets, which fighting for that number one overall pick with the Dolphins right now. Um, please don't. How annoying is it that Dave's East is just constantly garbage? <laughs> Shout out to the Bills though, three and zero. People sleep on the Bills, man. Josh Allen is. Uh, a specimen. He, he's he's amazing. <laughs> honestly, he looks great in shorts. What's that? What <laughs> but that defense is no joke. Like, yeah. absolutely no joke. And um, it's gonna be a really fun game to watch. I think. Of course, the Patriots are gonna win. Like I don't know. Like I don't know why we're pretending any different. But who has more of a chance to win? Because I've been I've been seeing this running around. Because it's a battle of the undefeateds this week. Patriots Bills in Buffalo, or Chiefs Lions in Detroit. So, like, the, who has a better chance, like, between the Bills and the Lions? Yeah. I think the Bills, actually, just because I think divisional games can always... Mm-hmm. Like, the Patriots, like, 
consistently not this year of course but consistently would lose in Miami you know mm-hmm. like just weird stuff happens when you play divisional opponents I think as Eagles fans we should definitely understand that yes. more than anyone like there's there's been years where it's like how <laughs> how did we lose um so yeah I, I would give it to the Bills just they're at home and mm-hmm. they've looked great so far and like you know there's always that chance I I I don't see the Lions stopping the Chiefs though because the, you know why the Chiefs Chiefs are unstoppable I saw a stat Patrick Mahomes has never scored less than 26 points in his career which I isn't he's not like it's he's crazy. had like a long but like it's still obscene. That's disgusting. That's, <laughs> that's absurd. Like to, averaging twenty six already is like that's like a top five offense in the yeah. league to begin with. Like to never dip below that in your career is wow. gross. Yeah, he's um he's fantastic. Man, yes, I hate himself. Goes from coaching with the Chiefs organization and during the draft is like yes they passed on Patrick Mahomes. Like they, it's it's amazing actually the the Eagles. I wouldn't say they got lucky, of course, with Doug Peterson, right? Because although I do think with every hiring, you know, of any kind of coach or manager, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there is an element of luck in that, like, you know, certain things align. We're like, okay, who else is like on board with him? Who other coaches are there with him? And mm-hmm. what type of players? What type of leadership is he walking? Like, what type of situation is it? But you know, to, when you get someone like Doug Peterson, and you know, within what two years of him being hired, he's he's won a Super Bowl already, and you look at Matt Nagy, who now in year two, you know, he's worried about kickers. You, it's like... They found one, though. There's no real progress there. In fact, they're probably going to go backwards this season from, from where they were last year. And you have a, a generational defense like that, and it's just going to kind of get wasted because, you know, you, you front office didn't make the right decisions mm-hmm. in draft time. And that's 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 a bizarre... Decision. Not that I think Trubisky... I don't think Trubisky is as bad as everyone makes him out to be. Not that I'm, I'm not standing for him here. I'm not saying that he's great, but... Um, yeah, when you pass on Deshaun Watson and and Patrick Mahomes in the same draft, that's rough. That is rough. Yeah. And you trade up for Trubisky. And you trade up for Trubisky. It's not even one just spot. Like, yeah, it's um, it's sickening. Yeah, through fifty-two games, Doug Peterson thirty-one and twenty-one. Obviously, seven and nine the first year, but um, other than that, has had a winning record in the other two years: thirteen and three, nine and seven, right I love now, him. two and two. He seems like a great guy. Yeah. Seems like a. Uh... Did you see the story in the Athletic this week? Because obviously everyone knows Doug was uh, in that quarterback room with the Green Bay Packers and everything back in the day, where he was hosting like a radio show or a TV show, and he still gets Christmas cards from people that would call in and everything. He was like, it was an easy thing to do. I wasn't playing, so. <laughs> He's great. He seems like I. I would love to like hang out with Doug Peterson. Absolutely. He seems like a, I'll say a lot of the the Philly coaches right now seem like genuinely. Generally good dudes. Mm-hmm. Saw Brett Brown chatting up at the live Ricky. Yeah, and um, I saw it too on on like I think they had like that media day. They had it at yeah. the field house. He gave like that awesome like speech where he's like walking around the court talking yep. about the Toronto game and talking about the season coming. I was like, oh my god! I played that. How do you tattoo that entire video onto your body? <laughs> I played that on our last episode. I definitely wanted to get your opinion on that. I loved it. Loved every second. I love. I love his. I love his command of a room. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been one of his best things. I think that's that's very San Antonio Spurs. Is that you know you can say whatever you want about like Pop's coaching tree, mm-hmm. whatever. I think one thing that Greg Popovich just does very well. I know it's kind of a meme about his like working with the uh, the media, especially courtside, where he's like score more, <laughs> like you know that kind of thing. <laughs> I do think he's a very he seems like a very well spoken person. Yes. Like when you actually like when he's actually it's not like Bill Belichick where he's like constantly just like. A jerk for Death no reason. Yeah, people. and like, hmm, why? <laughs> like, 
Popovich seems like generally like a pretty open person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that I see I see a lot of those same personality traits in Brett, which makes me really yes. happy. And yeah, I, I loved his uh, kind of just the introspection about what do you do after a loss like that? You know, like in the the human element of like this is your job. You just had probably the worst day of your job in your entire life. And I mean, he, he talked about other times that like he was there for the Derek Fisher shot. He was yep. there when they were in Miami and ran on hits at like Derek Fisher, the, like <laughs> Derek Fisher <laughs> with 0.4 seconds hits a shot. <laughs> but like, to, I mean, those, those two shots right there are probably the most, uh, two of the most iconic mm-hmm not even just like NBA, like just playoff sports in general. Yep. Like those, those are, and I think that the Kawhi thing, unfortunately is also going to be one of the, cause especially they go on to win the championship, right? That makes it even, that, that like mm-hmm. just elevates it. So yeah, for him to say that was like the hardest part of his career, obviously now as the head coach, that makes sense, mm-hmm. but it was, it was tough being reminded of that, but it made me very hopeful just hearing kind of the way he, talked about it in the way that he's looking forward to this season and that this is the best team that he's had, which is true. And this is the deepest team that he's had, which is also true. And that, you know, he, of course, he's going to say this publicly that Elton Brand did a, a great job over the summer, but Hey man, Brett Brown seems on board. He was very gracious about the owners. Well, saying that they're backing him every step of the way, which is good to hear, especially when you had that weird rumor last mm-hmm. year, like in the Toronto series, which, Christ, I'm looking back on it now, it's just absolutely ridiculous. That's another wrinkle to the 30 for 30. Yeah, geez, the 30 for 30 is going to be 30 hours at this point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I loved what Brett had to say, and I liked hearing that Ben, um, you know, his work on a shot all summer. Mm -hmm. He did did a a pretty interesting interview where he was talking about how he sort of fell out of love with basketball last year, and this summer he, like, reignited that, and that's a little scary to hear, but also awesome to hear, like, you know. I I'll be honest. I don't I don't think I really picked up on that at all last year because no. he's like generally speaking a pretty neutral type of person. And he's, last year, like he was, he looked like he was having a lot yeah. of fun out on the court. Yeah, like he didn't have it. I don't say he had a, an improved an year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that you know that's that, that was a little unfortunate to hear though that mm-hmm. he um you know he was whatever it was whatever was upsetting him or he just wasn't wasn't as motivated. Now I wonder. No, I don't want to cause any speculation i wonder if jimmy butler had anything to do with that maybe i don't know it's tough to say like jimmy came in so early in the season that yeah and i mean you know two guys that had been there kind of from the very start with him you know with the covington and dario being gone Mm -hmm. that yeah it's it's totally not unreasonable to think that that could have been part of it not that jimmy is like a cancer of course just that like now you're adding another and like high level started taking point guard minutes yeah like so i'm sure that was that was tough for ben but yeah, it's good to hear that he had, um, you know, this summer, like, he, he was back in it and grinding. I'm very, very excited to see him this season. Um, kind of, like, this the the NBA season sneaking up on us. Mm-hmm. It's like it's right there, which is which is very, very exciting. So I'm pumped. Like, I loved everything Brett had to say. I'm, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see this team. I loved all his talk about how we're just going to absolutely bully teams this year. <laughs> how we were just going to absolutely violate them. I'm, it's, it's weird. They're, 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 they're going to be like the flyers, you know, like they're going to be like the broad street bullies just like, <laughs> just on, on the, on the court instead. That's exciting to hear. Um, and we'll stick on the Sixers right now, but the, uh, sports illustrated top five or top 100 players came out in the Sixers starting five. Uh, all of them in the top 100. Josh Richardson at number 71. 
and then everybody else inside the top 50, Tobias Harris at 49, Ben Simmons at 23, Al Horford at 18, and Joel at number 7, and then the top 6 following Joel was Anthony Davis, James Harden, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis. I think it's hard to argue for Embiid to be above anyone other than Davis. I think Davis is getting a little bit of that, you know, he's on the Lakers mm-hmm. now, love. he's paired up with LeBron. Personally, I think Embiid is just as good. I, you know, I think they're on the same tier. I think it's hard to really, like, say, like, definitively who's better. I'll say Joel turned, like, <laughs> absolutely suns him every game that yes. they, they play against each other. That counts for something to me, um, especially when we talk about the... It's not unreasonable to think that it could be a Lakers-Sixers finals uh, this season, which is exciting because mm-hmm. this is the first NBA season we're walking into with, like, really a ton of parity. You know, it's not like you already know out of the West is the Warriors and, you know, who's ever LeBron's team in the East. You know, we have a lot of great teams this season. But, yeah, I think seven for Embiid is fine. I, I, I'm not upset with that. And I think everyone else is it's pretty reasonable, mm-hmm. reasonable spots to be. Horford's actually... Kind of high. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll take. It. I think it's really hard though to, especially with the NBA, where like, it's. I think it's really really difficult to rank guys like mm-hmm. like that. I I think I I'm more of a believer in like the tier system for basketball of like you know you have like absolute superstars in one tier and then you know there's like a tier below that. I I, I think it's it's like how do you really measure like. LeBron's impact to Kawhi's to Giannis's like Mm -hmm. that's like that's really hard to do because they all they're all great at pretty much every part of the game of course but you know LeBron's a better passer than Kawhi is right but Giannis is more athletic and Kawhi's a better defense like I I don't know how you 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 start to really split hairs and that's I think it makes it really difficult but I mean it's good to see though like a respect for uh respect for the team and see guys like highly rated that's that's always a good feeling and makes me very like i said super excited for the season to to tip off and everybody's getting on the sixers bandwagon apparently as they should uh including plenty of room one former philadelphia inquirer writer stephen a smith on first take makes me a little nervous uh this is what stephen a said on uh espn who's got the best team in the east magic johnson the Philadelphia 76ers are going to the NBA Finals. Hey! Boston, I'm going to defer to my man Jalen Rose when he points out that Boston arguably has the best perimeter shooting team. We can't ignore that. Right. Toronto lost Kawhi. Ain't nothing to discuss. Right. The Greek freak is phenomenal as he is. And you don't have to worry about getting fined for talking about him now. The Greek freak, as elite as he is, the combination of not having a reliable perimeter shot combined with Malcolm Brogdon now being in Indiana. Yep. My attitude is I don't like the fact that Philadelphia lost J.J. Reddick. That's a big loss to me. But the fact that Boston no longer has Al Horford and the Sixers do, not only somebody to pair with Embiid, but to spell for him whenever he's out, I'm going to believe that Ben Simmons has been working on his shot. I'm going to believe that Tobias Harris doesn't have to worry about coexisting with Jimmy Butler, and that's a plus. I'm going to believe that Josh Richardson is a young lion who plays on both ends of the floor and really goes after it defensively. 
And the combination of Horford and Richardson defensively with the Sixers, combined with what Horford gives you offensively because he's a nice set shooter, I'm still a little suspect on their bench. I don't like that Redick is gone, but I don't think the other teams in the East are strong enough. I think the Sixers are going to be playing in June. Shelby's right. Pretty strong I, words there from Stephen A. We like Stephen A because he likes to clown the Cowboys a lot, which yes. is uh, very, very good for us. Um, and, you know, I can't say I disagree, even with all of my fandom aside. You know, you look at these other teams in the East. Sure, Giannis is there. Um, they brought back Chris Middleton and everything, but they did lose Brogdon, who was, you know, a big part of their, their team. And then you look at uh, Toronto. They tweeted out their, their pictures of their throwback uniforms that they're going to be wearing this year. And all they were advertising was Kyle Lowry, Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet. And they lose Kawhi, who is arguably the best player in the league. Um, and then the Celtics seem to be in just mass hysteria right now because people are freaking out that they're not going to re-sign Jalen Brown. Um, who knows what they're going to be. So, I mean, it's it's not hard to say that there's a, a good possibility if things go right for the Sixers that they could be in the finals. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> I think it was a similar case last year as well, though. This year, though, everyone around us has weakened, whereas I think we've improved. I don't think all that much, mm-hmm. but I think there is improvement there, and I think most of the improvement is probably just going to be from the fact that we're a young team and guys are going to be taking what should be another step forward. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, look, there's always going to be a little element of luck to uh, to this season, and, you know, if you get the right matchup at the right time and guys stay healthy and, you know, I think it's going to be hard getting them. I, 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 I've said since June that I think this is the number two seed in the East, and I, I think Milwaukee's still going to be a touch above, especially for the regular season, but I like our odds against them you know, in, in a conference finals matchup, so let's just get there. I, I think Boston's going to be better than people expect. I think it's going to be almost the reverse of last year. Everyone mm-hmm. was crowning them as like 60-plus wins preseason, and... I was like, are we sure? <laughs> are we sure that that's how it's going to go? Because I don't think so, and it didn't. Um, but I think not having Kyrie there is going to – I think that is going to change things for the better for them personally. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think this division is freaking rough, man. <laughs> that's that's the tough part. And I think Toronto will be a pretty decent regular season team. Indiana got better. Indiana did improve. They have our, our love, TJ McConnell. You see what the, uh, the rookie is doing for Fly the Process. I did not. They are going to Indiana on New Year's Eve, and they're having a New Year's Eve party where TJ McConnell will be present. What a guy. <laughs> Love us some TJ. Uh, Good for him. So, I mean, Sixers season right around the corner. Like we always do, we'll have our season preview, but um, let's let's put the, uh, the final rose on the casket of this Philly season. They actually won a game last night in 15 innings. Whoa, um, yeah. Waste everyone's time even more. <laughs> finally eliminated from playoff contention. Um, and now the the offseason speculation can begin. Don't know when any of these firings will happen, if they happen. Um, Publicly. <laughs> but in I your... want it in the Jetro lot before <laughs> the next Eagles home game, which isn't until November, right? Because thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Phillies. In your opinion, what actually happens? Do they fire Kapler, keep Klentak, fire both, keep both, or keep Gabe, fire Klentak? That's a great question. 
it depends on how much stock you want to put in the John Middleton <clears throat> being actually pissed off. He report. was with the team in DC. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, a lot of this depends on John Middleton's actual ambition here. Mm-hmm. Um, and his actual clarity of thought on yep. who's who's to blame. I think there's a lot of people to blame. <laughs> Gabe being one of them and Klentak also being one of them. I think actually Klentak is is probably more more of the suspect here because mm-hmm. he's been in charge longer. He's been he's been with the Phillies longer and since this whole rebuild started. He's been the guy. You know, he has been the, the general manager of this team. He's been the one drafting, he's been the one trading, he's been the one hiring. You know, ask yourself you know, if if you have an, an issue with your organization, that's where it stems from. There was um, an interesting piece in the Athletic this week as well mm-hmm. about uh, all the pitching issues this year and um, you know losing credits this this off season and you know Young whether or not he's actually a good fit and he kind of had a down year and uh, as a result a lot of the pitching did as well. I think it was an interesting piece of that article though is that Clintac, uh, not Clintac, I'm sorry, Kapler got an argument with Kranitz. Allegedly, of course, but you know, uh, allegedly got an argument with Kranitz about like a, a bullpen situation, which makes sense because that is Gabe's biggest weakness is managing the bullpen. The, the dude is like brain dead at times with that. I don't know how he has, I don't know what data, data is telling him what <laughs> to make the decisions that he does, but it's no surprise that Kranitz was like, You're a moron. <laughs> like, um, what that article said to me the most was that if I, if I read that article, who would I think is more to blame? I would take Klintak because that seems like a cultural decision to listen. There's nothing wrong with placing more emphasis on analytics, analytics and data now and, and numbers. Like that's just the way that not of course baseball, but pretty much all sports are trending is that those, those are important things mm-hmm. to understand. However, if you're making every decision, a numerical one, I think you're losing a bit of personality and a bit of, you know, Baseball's the longest season in this in sports. It's so many games. These guys like have to be good friends. Everyone has to be able to get along. Of course, you're gonna have arguments and stuff, but you know, like I think clubhouse culture is crucial. And if there's been one constant, is that there's been a lot of questions about the clubhouse culture here, both in terms of players playing Fortnite, which everyone seems to forget that this time last year. In the middle of games, people were playing Fortnite mm-hmm. in the clubhouse. For everyone who wants to talk about other managers, I saw a tweet about how Joe Mad- uh, the Cubs lost like eight straight, right? And people, oh, people want Joe Madden here. Like, oh, his teams don't fold over. Yeah, right. Okay. Gabe literally had guys playing Fortnite in the middle of games in the clubhouse. Please call me when there's the report about Carlos Santana smashing the Fortnite TV because people were playing it in the middle of a game. Please. I'm sorry, but like, let's let's not play the game of like other managers roll over. Because what do, what do you call this last month and a half other than a rollover? My point is, is that there's a lot of issues that I think are are Gabe's fault. You just have to be straight up about that. I think he has a lot of weaknesses. Um, I'm not sure that he is a great fit here. I'm not sure that he seem he doesn't seem to have a great grasp on man management whatsoever. And not even just to the players. It seems like he does. It can be very confrontational with like other coaches, with other like I, I don't, I don't know, and that's the thing. I I think if I was in control, I'd probably fire them both. Mm-hmm. If I'm assessing blame, I would be giving more blame to Klentak. Agreed. I don't necessarily like. I would I would be more happy seeing 
Klintak not in his this position next season than I would Kapler. I'm not as I'm not as pro fire Kapler, but I also think like we're at a point now where like the the I feel like the organizations have enough knowledge of like okay he's either the guy or he isn't like mm-hmm. what what how are we, how are we proceeding here I, like is he actually good I think it's so hard to tell because of what Klentak has done and the hirings that Klentak has done and the lack of trades Klentak has made yeah which I don't I don't want to fault him too much with it the, I've always been a little more defensive of his like trade you know, strategy, for, at least this season, like mm-hmm. in years past, you can, we can have that conversation. But for this year, I actually think like we were all like really praising the trades that we made in the off season. And I didn't really have too much of an issue with, you know, not like moving for guys when it, you know, at best we were a wild card team this year. Like we just had to face the music, like for being an analytics team, I'm sure we knew that we had a ceiling by the, at that, at, by July. Um, you know, just what concerns me is, that what concerns me the most is we sat through five years of terrible baseball with the hope that at the end of that, we would have a competitive team. And, like, this team is good. and this to team, an extent. Yeah, and this team will be competitive next year again. You know, they, And I actually expect playoff baseball next year. But it's not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. And you can have a really nice ship, but if there are holes in it, <laughs> it's going to sink at some point. And I worry that this that this ship has quite some holes in it, and no one seems to care, nope. <laughs> and, and we're not focusing on plugging them and fixing them. Like that's that's the worry. Is that you know I feel like every story we hear about any kind of like anonymous you know Phillies pitcher X said blank, or uh, front office executive in Philly said this. Like it's never good. It's never like a yeah you know we're really focused on next year. It's always like. Yeah, this season has sucked. Everyone is saying this is like the worst season of their career, <laughs> and they haven't had fun, and they've they've felt drained by it, and that's worrying to me. That's really really worrying to me, and I'm not sure that I fully trust the Phillies to make like the best decisions mm-hmm. going forward, which is frightening. Yeah, um, you know, and the whole thing with Chris Young, uh, pretty much pitchers came out and said. He was trying to fit guys into like a Verlander Granky mold, putting square square pegs yeah. in round holes. You know, guys that don't and it just didn't just work. Don't pitch that way. Um, and every pitcher is different. Like you have to take that into account. You look at what Zach Eflin did. Sure, we criticize Zach Eflin, but earlier in the season he had success, and then he seemed to taper off and then just completely combust. And then towards the end of August, early September, he got back to doing what he was doing in early April and he looked like you know a competent like number five starter for this team moving forward and you have to think how much of that was Chris Young kind of projecting this you know style of coaching onto the pitching staff because we saw literally every young pitcher including Aaron Nola regress to an extent from last year yeah and I think part of that is too is is confidence and from from what we got out of that article and i think what we've known in general is that credits had good relationships mm-hmm. with all of the not even just the pitchers but the pitching staff in general yeah. right like and that's that is really key like and i think if you just think about this as a job right if like if you have a manager that is like very personable to you like understands you and your like your life outside of work and you know your 
maybe other like dreams or aspirations or just how you work best like what role you work best in like are you someone that needs to be micromanaged or like you have autonomy and you can just work all day and just you know come in clock out you're good like i i don't have to check in with you whatever like having someone that understands that has really high emotional intelligence makes ultimately what this is it which is a workplace a better place to work i'm not saying that chris young necessarily lacks all of those skills but he certainly doesn't seem to have that connection that Karanis did. And he seems to be someone that is more of a, again, his previous position was more of a scout role. It wasn't even necessarily a coach, which is a completely different thing. Scout, mm-hmm. you're much more black and white. and Much more numbers driven. You're looking at you were, you, stats. You, were, you have to be super objective as a scout. Like you have to just be able to delineate information as like succinctly as possible and just be super critical. And that that's part of your job. Whereas a coach, you know, you have to obviously have those conversations and sometimes with players, but generally speaking, your your focus is more on building guys up and improving their game. Uh, you know, does he have and that's not a, I'm not trying to indict Chris Young on this, but just does he have that actual ability? Like does he have the emotional intelligence to be a good coach? Like and that's you know, sometimes you're just not, you're good at one thing mm-hmm. and that doesn't translate to the next step, which is fine. But I, that's that's the concern though. Is I feel like we have absolutely no clue. We have no clue who's actually good at their job, except that this season has been a total disappointment. Clintac, we know that Clintac isn't very good. No, I, I think it's the only one we can really say like, yeah, I I feel confident saying yeah, Clintac is. And not that's good at I think job. because we have a good enough sample size yes. from what he's done that. It's just not working. Yes. Uh, like, Gabe, Gabe, you could say, like, through two seasons, two very different seasons with different expectations at the start and different rosters even mm-hmm. as well, and tons of injuries, it's hard to say, like, definitively Gabe Kapler sucks, yeah. right? Like, it's it's hard to actually say that because I don't, I don't think you have the full case like you do with Klintak. Right. But I will say that I'm not looking at Gabe as, like, oh, uh, well, you know, like, it's going to turn a corner here. It's like, it could I don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably not. <laughs> like you just, I, I don't feel super confident with Gabe. Arguably, I would give Gabe one more year if I had I think, my druthers. I think, I think one more year is fair. Like I, I wouldn't if if we're sitting here in May and like Gabe is like, you know, the, the manager again and like we're just rolling that season. Like whatever. Like yeah, you know, we'll we'll take it. But I, I, I'm not like in love with him. You know, like I, I That's don't. Fair. I, I don't think and. I think also like if next season if we get to June or July and we're we're not where we should be or who knows what roster improves mm-hmm. we made at that point who who can tell but you know he's gonna have he's gonna have a hot seat going into the season as he should because I, I think regardless of again the Clentag based issues from this season I think Gabe has dropped the ball pretty 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 bad this mm-hmm. season and I, I think he's been um, just not very great. <laughs> No, you, being you bring up roster, you know, improvements and everything. John Stolness, uh, good friend of the show from uh, SB Nation's Phillies blog, The Good Fight. Uh, follow him on Twitter at John Stolness. He said, which option would you prefer for the Phillies to pur- pursue this offseason? The Garrett Cole as your lead free agent, along with either Mike Moustakis or Josh Donaldson. I want nothing to do with Josh Donaldson. <laughs> or Anthony Rendon as your lead free agent. Followed up by Wade Miley and Shinjin Ryu. I think I would go Cole and Moustakis. Just I think Cole is one of the best pitchers you could get 
fees. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to sign him. You have the ability to sign him this offseason, which, like, you know, to trade for someone like that, you'd have to be selling quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think Moustakis is actually would be a good upgrade. Could on, have had him on, this year. Could have had him on this year. It would be a good upgrade on third base. And Rendon is amazing. I think Rendon is better than Moustakis, but I think I'd rather have Garrett Cole than any, pretty much any pitcher, actually, uh, that's going to be available this offseason. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, at least. And then uh, he put out some... Pitching is the much more yes. crucial thing to hit this this offseason for me. There Good it is. Old mic drop. Um, and then he put out some uh, options for the Gabe Kapler replacement. This is kind of the um, current managers to an extent. So oh God, what a list. <laughs> Joe Madden, Joe Girardi, Dusty Baker... And Dusty Watson, who is currently the Phillies' third base coach, that a lot of people thought was going to be the manager yeah. because he was the manager through the minor leagues with a lot of these prospects and everything, and and won with them. Um, out of those four, I I like Joe Madden a lot. I really do. Mm-hmm. Joe Girardi didn't Joe Girardi kind of like have like it kind of he, currently he, working for MLB Network, but he kind of was. How, how, what, am, what am I looking at? He was like, he underperformed with the Yankees for like a lot of those years. Won the World Series against the Phils. Yeah. But I mean, that was. But like, after that, it kind of. Like, he, he wasn't. Like, and I know the Yankees themselves were going through a weird trend. Like, really, this entire decade, except like obviously the last like few seasons, mm-hmm. been a weird kind of transition area. Like, and you had obviously like Jeter retiring and losing A Rod, like all this decade still. So, like, I get that, but. Doesn't it feel like Joe Girardi like should have won more? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I agree. Like I like to me what Joe Madden did was actually much more impressive, especially with Tampa Bay. Like mm-hmm. that's like and then you know talking the Cubs like Jesus Christ, <laughs> no one did that. Like I don't he know. He turned the Cubs around in one year. Yeah, like, like that's just much, winning wise would be nice. <laughs> um, and then he also put out three more names: Mike Sosha, Buck Showalter, no <laughs> and this is the name that intrigues me. Raul wow. Ibanez. Voldemort, back in action. I'm very intrigued by Raul Ibanez as a manager. He's in the Dodgers front office yeah. right now, um, which we know what the Dodgers are doing front office-wise. And, I mean, sure, you can come back with, oh, Gabe was in the Dodgers front office. Um, Raul intrigues me as a manager because he's a very good people person from what we saw from him when he was in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, when he's on TV, when he was at the time – very well-spoken, and I think he could connect with a lot of these players, being that he's still younger, but I think he, I think he's a very intriguing He's like a less alpha option. Gabe Kapler. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like a... I, and a more wow. successful That's an interesting MLB game. career in terms of just like what he was able to yeah. accomplish. And Gets it's, Philly. It's a guy that fans loved when he was yeah. here. That's an interesting pick, honestly. I would... Uh... I don't know. The thing is, though, is Number that two. my only fear with like guys like that because th- that would be like his first management job, I'm pretty right? Like, sure. Yeah, I don't think he's really been maybe at like a lower level. He's he's been involved, but my only fear with guys like that is you're putting him in a situation where this is his like first job, and I don't think outside of like if he took like if he became the Dodgers manager or like the Yankees, man, like, I don't know if you get much higher expectations than what the Phillies will have going into this mm-hmm. season, right? Like in this upcoming season, if, if he were to be hired, like that's, that's a really difficult first job to have. And I don't know personally how I would feel entrusting all of this to like a greenhorn. 
you know, and I mean, Gabe, Gabe himself is very underexperienced for, you know, the position that he's in. And I think we've seen some of that and he's gone through a little bit of growing pains with his time as a manager here. So that would be my only concern with Raul Banias. I can't say that I know a lot about like his, you know, post baseball career and like what he's really involved in and what decisions he's actually made, but it's an interesting pick. So his post playing, he did interview uh, and was a top three candidate to replace Joe Madden in Tampa Bay in 2014. But that is the only like mm-hmm. shot he's had there. Uh, and then in February of 2016, he was hired by the Dodgers as a special assistant to uh, President of Baseball Operations, Andrew Friedman. And then he's also an ESPN analyst uh, as of April 2016 when he replaced Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a that's a tough pick. I think it's, it's tough to judge how good he would be. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think he would be good in the sense that kind of like how like you know when you brought Charlie back as a hitting coach yeah. that gives everyone like a nice little oh, Raul's back here we go this is nice I know this guy this guy's good <laughs> like that kind <laughs> of thing um, did play for the Yankees he did little bummer I you know I. I'll be honest. If I of all those names, I think I would go with Joe Madden. Not that I think mm-hmm. Joe Madden is the best manager of all time, but I think if we lose Gabe and you're asking me of all those names, who I feel is most comfortable going into mm-hmm. a season with, it'd be Joe Madden for yeah. me. I think I would go Joe Madden, Raul, Dusty Wathen as my yeah. top three. I don't even think Joe Girardi would be terrible. I just like I was never like I, I, never I think was and, wild about him. And I think Joe Girardi, if he were to get back into managing, would want to go to the Cubs because yeah. that's where he was successful as a player, and that's the one job I think he's always wanted. And if Joe Madden leaves, it'll be there. Um, so I don't think Girardi is a yeah. guy that would come. I here. I would not mind some some Joe Madden. We'd have two silver foxes in, <laughs> in Philly. Then. That'd be amazing. Um, so yeah, but. Uh, Outside of the Phillies, Nationals fans are the absolute worst. Yeah. Oh. Um, don't talk about a four-week-old kid. It's weird, weird behavior from those D.C. elites. Absolutely. Those coastal elites. Um, it, was, it, it was dumb. Bad behavior from them. Terrible. Um, Whatever. They'll be... Uh, but shout-out to Bryce. What, like, first week of October, they'll all they'll, they'll all be, be home, too. <laughs> uh, shout-out to Bryce, though. He said, you know, I can't wait to get back to Philadelphia because there's 60,000 fans there that actually give a damn about me. And I was going to say, Nationals, stuff. like, can you sell out a playoff game first? <laughs> can you sell out a regular season game? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, Remember when they had that whole campaign to take back uh, their home stadium from... Mad turds. Jesus. Um, but, yeah, uh, so... Two more games for the this Capitals season. winning the Stanley Cup. I think is the worst. Thing. Oh my god! The worst thing that has ever happened in Washington D.C. in the history of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even talking War of 1812, and I got leveled. <laughs> god, they gave them to give them such smugness. Um, do the Phillies finish above 500? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> do they finish with a better record than last season, where they were 80 and 82? Are we? How? We are eighty and eighty right now, with two games left against the Marlins. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the Marlins. No, <laughs> maybe I, I think we should, we probably split the last two games. Honestly, so we it would actually be hilarious if we were eighty-one and eighty-one. That would be really funny. So average. Hey, man, that's improvement. Average team. Everyone's saying we need to improve this year. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't feel good about Marlins at all, do we? Yeah. Plus, Aaron Nola's done now. They shut him down. He's not going to pitch that last game. I watched. I watched Philly's highlights, which was just terrible. I watched, like, all of the 2008 run, and I watched a bunch of, like, the 2009, like, regular season stuff. 
and man, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and then I watched like there was this compilation of like twenty greatest uh, playoff sports moments. I was watching like all these playoff baseball stuff because watching when like Bumgarner win the series in fourteen, oh. and I'm like. I like I wish I just wish we were getting ready for playoff but like more than anything even if it was just like a wild card mm-hmm. game like I just I'd be so w- pumped just wish we had one playoff game to look forward to this year it's such a bummer. as I sit here if you're watching on Facebook with the last <laughs> Phillies playoff hat eight years ago. that's upsetting man it's too long like it needs like you know I know I know we talked a lot about the future of this team today and um you know who we want here but. Whoever it is has to get it right because a, a team this big and with this kind of history and honestly with players as good as they have now should not be in an almost decade-long playoff drought. Mm-hmm. just should not be the case. It needs needs fixed. Yeah, uh, and now that the playoffs are pretty much set, every team has been locked in, um, I feel like we need to support some sort of team. Going Strohs. That was my pick for us to face in the, the World Series. I think the Astros are going to win. Uh, in the offseason. Um, so we've got in the National League, if I can find this correctly, uh, we've definitely got the Dodgers, the Braves. Screw the Braves. Uh, in the Central, the Cardinals and the Brewers. I don't really hate the Cardinals. I know a lot of people do, like, for some reason. I don't really have... See, I hate the Cardinals because of 20, uh, 2010. Yeah. I hate the Giants more the most, I think, out of that entire, like, era. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, that hurt the most was losing the Giants those years. Like, that. The Cardinals, yeah. I kinda, and then, I'd kind of push that one out of my mind, if I'm being honest. Was so, that the freeze year? That was... It might have been. That was also the Chris Carpenter versus Roy <sighs> Halladay one nothing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so, the, the locked-in division winners as of right now, Cardinals are the three-seed playing against the Braves... Obviously, we're rooting for the Cardinals there, and then the Dodgers await Brewers versus Nationals in the wild cards. The Brewers, go Brewers! Um, <laughs> don't mind the Brewers, actually. I no, really... I, I feel like the Brewers are playing with a chip on their shoulder yeah. too, since Yelich is out, which is an absolute bummer. Yeah, um, it would be nice to see Yelich in October. American League, Yankees, Twins. <laughs> that is going to be an absolute slugfest, though. Go Twins, baby! Uh, first time they've they've won a hundred games in eons. Good for them. They had 78 wins last Remember year. Remember when we uh, swept them in like in like May? <laughs> uh, we were we were so happy. And then the Astros await the winner of the Battle of Analytics, the Athletics, and the Tampa Bay. Rays. I was gonna say this is like that whole quadrant right there is like, geez, <laughs> Billy Bean is just like having palpitations. <laughs> like, oh my god! Honestly, I think I'm more excited for the American League playoffs with just who's yeah. in. Yeah, the, the National League's a little, like, in general, they always, I think we have to say the better, the better, like, quality overall. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm for the shows just because they've won recently already, so, like, if they win again, like, whatever. And Finally see Granky get a ring. It, you don't really have, I don't have, like, any, like, bad feelings toward, like, mm-hmm. Houston at all. So, like, I'm cool with it. They're, like, my top two don't want to see win are Yankees and Braves. Yeah. Like, I can't listen to it. And then Dodgers very close behind. See, I'd be okay with the Dodgers winning. Mm, nah. Because <laughs> I, I love being able to just throw in their face all the time. The amount of time <laughs> and money that they've spent to just get absolutely nowhere and just have their hearts broken. I Those are my favorite series wins 
was just just yeah. absolutely walloping the dick. Because every year, everyone's like, oh, it's the Dodgers' year. It's so, no. <laughs> Chase Utley just went there, just absolutely emasculated them every single season. It was like the Manny Ramirez year. Oh, my yeah. God. That's like one of my favorite series. So I love I love watching the Dodgers fail. Um, National League, though, I me personally, I only enjoy watching the Dodgers and Brewers play. Yeah. Just screw the Nationals, screw the Braves. And I just I can't stand the Cardinals. Yeah, it's like, fair. That's fair. Um, but the American League, anybody but the Yankees. Yeah. Anybody. Wouldn't like, mind the Rays either. I mean, wouldn't mind the Rays. They're, they're a fun team. Yeah. Um, and they use the opener effectively, unlike us, um, <laughs> using the opener in our elimination game. The Twins are fun. They've mashed the ball this year. It's like them and the Yankees going back and forth for who's going to hit the most home runs in a season. The Yankees, I'll say, this have been like quietly one of the most resilient teams yes. of like any regular season ever like we been, talked about it our injuries like jesus they Christ. have the highest war for injured players this year <laughs> at 15 and a half it's honestly pretty unbelievable stanton hasn't played pretty much all year it's and they're still doing this pretty judge been hurt twice yeah it hurts my feelings a lot <laughs> bryce harper though positives in terms of uh getting their bang for their buck bryce harper finished with the number two uh most purchased jersey this season, only behind Aaron Judge. <laughs> That's a win, baby. And effectively looking at this We're Phillies talking team, economics now. Looking at this Phillies team, there are bright spots. Bryce had a fantastic season, in my opinion. JT Realmuto solidified himself as the best catcher in baseball, offensively and defensively. Um, now, the real question is, how are you, on September 28th, on Reese Hoskins, uh, t- still positive. Um, I, think I am get, too. If you get a pretty crappy second half of the season, I'm wouldn't be surprised if we had an athletic article in November about someone like getting in his head this year about a certain type of mechanics or something. I wouldn't be shocked because we had a Jim Salisbury article come out after the national series talking about Reese Hoskins in it um, and saying you know before the season there was a lot of talk about the Phillies potentially extending Reese once they got Bryce and everything, but now it's potentially more likely that they try to trade Reese for starting pitching. I'd be, I'd be a little I'd be so about upset that. about that. Because, like, I, like, I, like I said, he didn't, he obviously had a pretty bad second half of the season, but to me, like, one, homegrown talent is always fun, mm-hmm. like, always really fun to have with you, especially, like, as one of your better players, which I still think Reese is capable of being. I agree. And it would feel like you're. You know, I feel like you'd be selling low on Reese. Mm-hmm. Like, like I feel like if that's you, what I said too. Theoretically, if you were to trade Reese, it should have been after last year, right? Yes. Like if you were actually gonna move him, the, you like, should have kept Carlos Santana and then yeah. traded Reese at his all-time peak. But at this point, what are you gonna get for Reese? Seems like you're giving out early, and you're not gonna yeah. get actual value back. And then he's gonna like turn into yep. a, you know an all-star. Like. <laughs> I, I that that I feel like that would be a mistake. Honestly. I agree. It, moving Reese would be a mistake. I don't think there's a need to. Sure, he makes his blunders at first base and everything, but when he's on, he is one of the best players on this team, and you know, a top player in the. He sport. is a guy that if you have in the playoffs, will win you a World yes. Series because he would just get absolutely red hot. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's just the type of player that he is. Um. So I, you need to keep Reese. He yeah. is a core. Of you know this team moving forward along with JT along with Bryce Scott Kingery Adam Hazley looks like he could be an everyday player next year which is a, a very good sign um, and then you got guys tearing it up in the Arizona Fall League right now with uh, Connor Seabold 
Spencer Howard, Alec Bohm. Um, you put those guys into this, along with Gene Segura, along with you know whoever you get to play. Uh, you know, some of these outfield positions depth-wise. You see what Andrew McCutcheon does next year coming off the injury. And then just go get starting pitching as the sign falls. Oh, my God! <laughs> it's uh, a ghost! Jeez, that's scary. Last bit of news. God getting upset about <laughs> Reese Hoskin moves talks. Um, Grady's flying a plane. Yeah. I don't know if I would get on that plane. I... I know that I would not. <laughs> Flyers getting ready to head to, uh, was it Prague? I think so, yeah. They're heading to, so... Uh, good, for, good for the Flyers. Behind the glass, I don't know if you've gotten to see some of the clips or anything. I saw like a 30-second clip I on am, Twitter. I have not get to actually look yet, though. I'm low-key feeling good about Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. He seems like a uh, a guy that's going to kind of grasp this fan base and uh, the one clip I saw was uh, after one of the losses this preseason, and he said, you know, you can't win with goaltending like that. That's absolute shit. <laughs> yeah. So. Makes sense. Seems like he's a, a motivator, unlike Dave Haxtall was, and is going to get in guys' faces. Yeah, Dave Haxtall has about as much life in him as these Funko Pops do. He's <laughs> just hollow behind the eyes. So uh, we'll see what happens. Like we said, we're going to be – optimistic in the month of October. We'll have our Flyers season preview coming up soon. And uh, we'll see what happens with... Uh, Gotta have faith, baby. With the birds as they get set to take on the Jets. We'll preview that next week and all that good stuff. But enjoy the uh, the mini bye week for the Eagles as uh, we get to kind of just enjoy football tomorrow uh, because we got that dub. But uh, as always, show brought to you by Maine Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 171. We'll catch you guys again on Wednesday. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We're signing off. Peace. Peace.